I'm drawn across the universe to someone I haven't seen in a decade who I know is probably dead. Love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our journey to God. Christopher Nolan's Interstellar is probably one of my favourite films ever, which places it right up there with episode 33's Sound of Music, even though it's like a completely different genre. I treasure it so much not because I actually like understand the astronomy and the science throughout the film, no one really does, but rather I love what the story awakens within me and how it leaves me feeling. I remember in the cinemas when the credits first rolled in, I sat in my seat stunned, my soul filled with wonder, wondering what on earth had just swept over me and into me. Today I'm going to suggest that despite its clear science fiction trappings, Interstellar is an incredibly human story and one of the greatest love stories ever told in recent times. One that captures the depth and breadth and mysteries of divine love in a way a more literal film cannot. Nolan, himself raised a Catholic, tells us that even when the film's music composer, Hans Zimmer, was given the job to come up with the main theme, he was simply told to write music about the love between a father and his child. And so, this episode, we will explore the mysteries of love through the symbols of Interstellar, and in doing so, gain a deeper appreciation of the nature of divine love. As usual, I will begin by sharing a synopsis of the story, which was a little more difficult this episode, precisely because the science of gravity and time dilation and black holes remained mostly mystery. But rest assured, even if you cannot follow the how of the story, we can all still follow what happens in the story. Cooper is an ex-astronaut turned farmer. He has two children, Murph and Tom. As the story begins, we learn that planet Earth is facing a catastrophic disaster. Blight and dust storms have decimated the world's food population and humankind is on the brink of extinction. Through a series of events, Cooper accidentally stumbles into a secret NASA base, where he learns that NASA was quietly planning a secret mission to send out one spacecraft to find a planet suitable for human habitation. Suitably, they call it the Lazarus Mission, echoing, of course, the Lazarus which Jesus raises from the dead in John's Gospel. Cooper meets one Professor Brand at the secret base, who claims to be working on a gravity equation to make this mission possible. But Brand asks Cooper to pilot this one exploratory spacecraft. Cooper agrees to this dangerous mission, but not before going to his daughter Murph's bedroom and promising her he'd return to her one day. He gives her his watch as a sign and promise that he'd return, where they would one day compare the different times on their watches. Why is this significant? 
because Cooper knew how the gravitational pull of space-time works and that deep in space, time would flow much slower for him than for her, meaning that she would be much older than he was before he left. Anyway, Cooper makes a final promise to Murph saying, I love you forever, you hear me? I love you forever and I'm coming back. He then departs from his farmhouse and little Murph is distraught. Cooper pilots the shuttle called the Endurance, carrying various scientists, including Professor Brand's own daughter, Amelia, and they blast off. The ship is headed towards a wormhole tunnel that had mysteriously appeared near Saturn decades ago, seemingly placed there by mysterious beings. The middle of the film is then about how the Endurance travels through this wormhole into a new galaxy, one that centers around a giant black hole called Gargantua. They then explore two different promising planets to ascertain their feasibility for human habitation, with each one presenting itself as unsuitable. Due to some tragic human sabotage, Cooper soon realizes that their shuttle didn't have enough fuel to explore the third and final planet. And so, Cooper proposes a slingshot move using the gargantua black hole to fling them forward to their final planet and hope. However, as they approach the black hole, Cooper realizes that the endurance was too heavy to make the distance, and so he chooses to sacrifice himself for the mission, ejecting himself into the black hole along with the shuttle's AI assistant, Tars. This greatly lightens the mass of the endurance, which then allows the last crew member, Amelia, to continue on without him to the third planet. She would be humanity's final hope. And this is where things get really weird. So if you lose the plot at this point, fear not, for the heart and soul of Interstellar is bigger than our mental understanding. Okay, so inside the mysterious black hole, Cooper finds himself floating inside a giant five-dimensional tesseract, with the extra two dimensions being space and time. The tesseract actually looks like an Escher painting, for those of you who know what that looks like. Cooper soon realizes that some higher beings had created this tesseract for him, the same higher beings that had created the Saturn wormhole in the first place. Why? They did this to allow him to have access to his daughter Murph's bedroom at any point in time. Through Tars, the AI assistant that was with him, Cooper realized he finally had access to data from within a black hole, data critically needed if mankind were to be ever able to leave planet Earth and do interstellar travel. Inside the Tesseract, Cooper now had the means of reaching back across space-time per se and feeding the black hole's data back to his daughter Murph, who had since become a genius physicist herself. And the means he would do this was through Morse code, coded into the second hand of the watch he had given her so long ago. Cooper knew that even as an adult, Murph, his daughter, would return one day to her bedroom because that was where she kept his watch and that was where he made his eternal promise to her. Indeed, Murph does return there and in a moving scene, she realizes that her dad was trying to reach her and love her from across the other side of the galaxy and was now programming the much needed data into his watch. In tears and in joy, she processes the data and finally solves the problem of gravity. This sets in motion the final stages required for all of mankind to safely leave Earth, undergo interstellar travel and land on the new planet, a planet which Amelia now waited, ready to welcome humanity 
that had been saved through the love of one father to his daughter. <laughs> okay, how you doing? There's a lot I actually skimmed over in the synopsis, but I think that's enough to cover the main storyline and to remind you of how grand the story is, for those who've seen it. What I will now offer are a few meditations rather than interpretations, because interstellar is art, one that invites us to ponder life's biggest questions rather than fully understand them. The first meditation will be on black holes as a surprisingly profound spiritual symbol. The second meditation will be on what the movie evokes about the nature of God's covenant love for his children. And springing from these, the final meditation will be on the nature of human love. Meditation 1. Black Holes as a Surprisingly Profound Spiritual Symbol When I talk to people about Interstellar, there's probably two things they'll agree the movie is about. Black holes and the power of love. Well, little do such people realise that in God's creative genius... Black holes and love actually share a lot in common. For example, did you know that black holes are at the centre of every galaxy, generating the gravity needed to hold all the planets and stars in their orbit in right order, and to stop them from flying off into chaos? Well, in the same way, the spiritual world is rightly ordered, held together and centred upon love. God is love. And just as the physical world is held together by gravity, the spiritual world is held together by God. And while we know that God exists, he is technically invisible like a black hole. And like a black hole, we can only observe him by that which he affects. Further, black holes technically aren't even black. Rather, they are simply inobservable and contain an inner life that is mysterious and beyond human understanding. Scientifically, a black hole forms when a star collapses in on itself, eventually creating a singular point of incredible gravity, from which all matter around it revolves and is drawn in, even light, space and time. Yes, you heard that right. Einstein's theory of general relativity definitively proved that even space and time are created, and hence can be warped and stretched and dilated like any other created thing. See, black holes, like God, stand as commanders of space and time. And as mentioned earlier, how a black hole actually does this is altogether bamboozling, for no scientist today is able to explain how the theories of general relativity, which defines the laws of big things like stars and planets, works together with quantum mechanics, which defines the laws of microscopic things like protons and neutrons. Yet, in a black hole, they somehow come together. What does this mystery communicate to us mortals about a creator God? At present, we can only ponder, but if we take our cue from Interstellar, there is plenty already we can ponder about the nature of divine love. And it is to this we now turn. Part 2, A Meditation on Divine Love Stripped to its bare bones, Interstellar is a story about human salvation. A story about the desperate rescue mission to save humanity from extinction. As such, if I could summarise the story of Interstellar in one sentence, it is this. How the faithful love between a father and his daughter 
could overcome any physical force in the universe, so much so that this love saves the whole of humanity. It's always impressed me how this science fiction giant reveals a deeply human story about a father to his daughter, whose love remains the same even across the stars. Nothing separates the love between Cooper and his daughter. For Christians, of course, the salvific love between father and child lies at the heart of the salvation story, one that involves God the Father, his beloved son Jesus, and us his precious children. Just as Cooper once made a promise to Murph, saying, I love you, I love you forever, you hear me, and I'm coming back. God the Father made the same promise to us his children, that his love would remain steadfast forever. Unlike human love, which is so prone to become distracted and distorted and weakened over time, God's love remains faithful forever, because it is a covenant love, unbreakable and not contingent upon anything we can do. The faithfulness of God, then, is truly cosmic. The psalmist tells us, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. God the Father always keeps his promises. Even though young Murph couldn't face her father for some time after he leaves, she knew as an adult that her father would keep his promise and return, and it was for this reason that the adult Murph is inspired to return to her childhood bedroom to retrieve her father's watch, a move which would in turn save the world. One of my favourite lines in the whole movie is right at the end, when daughter and father physically reunite at Cooper Station. The elderly Murph says to her father, Nobody believed me, but I knew you'd come back. When Cooper asked how, she smiles and simply replies, Because my dad promised me. There is another profound way that Interstellar echoes the Christian story of salvation. It is evident in the climax of the movie when Cooper sacrifices himself and drops into the black hole in order to allow Amelia a chance to find the final planet. Like Christ who sacrificed himself to give humanity a second chance, Cooper's selfless descent into death leads to humanity's salvation. And look at the parallel symbols at play. At Easter, we celebrate the fact that Christ transformed the permanence of death into a portal a portal which leads to eternal life. Well, look what happens when Cooper willingly descends into death. Rather than the black hole killing him, he instead enters into a tesseract, which is effectively a portal, one which allows him to physically access eternity. Huh? Isn't eternity like heaven? Well, strictly speaking, biblical scholars tell us eternity doesn't actually mean forever and ever time but rather it means a state of being when all instances of time become experienced as the present moment. So when we say that God is eternal, that's what we mean, that he is outside of created time because he experiences all instances of our time as the present moment. Something of this is what happens to Cooper inside the Tesseract, where he gains access to every instance of time in Murph's bedroom, from when she was a little girl all the way to when she was an adult. Now having access to all time, Cooper was able to go back and choose the instances of time in which he could communicate with his daughter by using gravity to program his watch. 
if you can exercise your imagination a little more, this move is very akin to what Jesus offers each of us at every Catholic Mass. Every Eucharist is a portal, if you like, into eternal time, where Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the final heavenly banquet is literally made accessible to us in the present moment. When Jesus said 2,000 years ago at his Last Supper, do this in remembrance of me, the word remembrance in Greek doesn't just mean to recall something of the past, but rather to make present an event of the past, so much so that that same event changes the present. Pow! Using interstellar symbolism, each mass could be likened a little to a tesseract. Just as Cooper needed to find a specific instance of time and space in order for his love to reach Murph, God also requires a particular instance of space and time in which his love can be reached by us. And this is the Mass par excellence. If what I'm imaginatively hinting at is even slightly true, it would affirm something that Catholics have been saying for 2,000 years, that the Mass is not merely an empty symbolic ritual, but the privileged place of divine encounter, where Jesus' sacrifice on the cross transcends both his time and space, and is made physically present for us in our time. All that wonder and awe we get when we watch Interstellar is actually pointing towards something historically real made present to us today. If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, please subscribe to it so you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. If you'd like to be notified by email every time a new episode is released, hop onto the website at themythpilgrim.com to register. And finally, a meditation on human love. Those of you who have seen Interstellar would probably remember the dialogue between Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey's character, where as scientists, they discuss the nature of love. Love isn't something we invented, it's observable, powerful. It has to mean something. Love has meaning, yes. Social utility, social bonding, child rearing. We love people who have died. Where's the social utility in that? None. Maybe it means something more, something we can't yet understand. Maybe it's some evidence, some artifact of a higher dimension that we can't consciously perceive. I'm drawn across the universe to someone I haven't seen in a decade who I know is probably dead. Love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. Why this dialogue is so iconic is really worth pondering because it flies in the face of modern theories that reduces love to a purely psychological chemical thing, something that is ultimately self-serving. Interstellar, on the other hand, leaves audiences wondering about the true nature of love, why it's so powerful, and why its cosmic expression feels so true. The first letter of John, of course, explores this mystery by suggesting that human love is always a participation in the eternal because God is love and God is eternal.
Could every genuine act of human love truly be eternal? Well, millennia of love songs and poetry might have more wisdom than some scientists today, they who have already celebrated the forever and ever nature of love, something that Christianity actually affirms. But human love is more than romance per se. Parents also know something of this eternity as they contemplate their sleeping infant, transfixed at the little miracle that has entered their presence. Saints and martyrs know the eternity of love as they give their lives away almost flippantly, knowing that their act of love is but a molehill in light of eternity. And significantly, those of us who have lost a loved one intuit deep in our soul that no one is ever truly gone, and that our connection with our loved ones might just carry over into eternity and back. See, Interstellar reminds us that love connects us to one another more than the hard-line scientists today think, and this connection is not limited, even by space or by time. Seen in such a glorious light, you might now have a deeper appreciation of the power of prayer, and why prayer, if it is offered as an act of love, is so effective a means to honour and cherish another. For God is love, and if we love in God, we participate in the very essence of eternity. Okay, so we arrive at the end of our meditation on interstellar, and I pray that if your brain is still in one piece, we were able to do some of it justice. Perhaps I've made a connection today that you hadn't considered before. And if so, I do encourage you to bring whatever it is further into prayer because everything we've experienced today touches on the very core of our faith and what it means to be Christian. As such, I don't feel the need to offer another practical pilgrim reflection except to meditate further on the mystery of love. Could I also encourage you to share this episode with fans of this film in particular, for I do feel Interstellar offers us such a profound language to explore faith and salvation and what's really important in life. Thank you in advance for doing this, and know that I cherish each one of you, pray for you, and always thoroughly enjoy this slice of eternity with you. Lol. <laughs> Until next time, dear pilgrims, journey forth, take care, and God bless. Mm-hmm.